0: Well, praise be to God. Good morning, everybody. Thank you for joining Gospel Saving Church. and uh, Welcome from SoundCloud, everybody coming in my home. God bless you. And thank you for uh, joining me. I'm Pastor Ed Spagnoli, uh, pastor of just a small house church in McKinney, Texas, just preaching the Word of God week by week, day by day, you know, whenever God gives me the opportunity, bringing the uh, true Bible teaching to the world amidst a bunch of false lies and people that twist the Scriptures to their own benefit. We just preach the Word and preach the Gospel the way God wants us to. So anyway, welcome, and God bless you, and uh, thank you for joining us. Uh, if you guys want to turn to 1 John chapter 5, verses 1-5, through 5, that's where we'll be today, but I'll get to those after my thoughts from last week's message. If you guys first, though, want to join me in a word of prayer, I'd appreciate it, and uh, let's ask the Lord to help us you know, understand things and understand His Word, because we know the Word says that it's only by the Holy Spirit that we can understand God's words. Thank you so much for giving us the Word here, Lord this teaching, Lord, we thank you for being a part of our lives, Lord, of all of us that are truly saved, Lord, we know what it means that you are a part of our lives, you comfort us daily, you you strengthen us daily, you you help us daily, in everything, Lord, you've called us to do for you, and just even the ways in which you've told us to live, you help us to live the ways that you want us to live, by your Holy Spirit that lives within us. So, Lord, we thank you so much for that reality, Lord, that you're with us and that you live in us and that you're with us and you walk next to us and you hold our hands and you carry us when we're too weak. And we just ask you, Lord, now to help us again, Lord, help us to understand what you have to say today and, and help us to not only understand it, but then to do it, to do the things which you say, not just to be hearers of the word only, but to be doers. Thank you so much, Lord God, for all your love and your grace and your mercy. And we love you and praise you, as He sings in Jesus mighty name. Amen. Again, First John chapter five, verses one through five, My thoughts from last week's message: "Being Born Again is awesome." Last week, John told us much about the topic of being born again. Hence, the title that God chose for the sermon, "Being Born Again is awesome." He wrote about how the born-again person will have a new life, a new outlook. A new attitude. And why? Because of God's Holy Spirit that he put in our lives that makes that possible. We, before Christ, before the Spirit, are dead in sin. We're dead in trespass. We're we're a dead man walking, in a sense, almost like a zombie. And then when God, through his grace and mercy, helps us understand his word, if we seek... Then God fills us with His Holy Spirit and makes us born again and gives us a new life. And He gives us these new attitude, this new attitude and this new life. And because of this, John says that we can be like God in, in character and ways on this earth as He is. And so are we in this world, as John spoke last week. They, a born again person will confess Jesus is God's son. John spoke about that last week. And lastly, a true born-again person will love other true born-again people. Those are just some of the awesome characteristics that John spoke of and mentioned last week in that section. Isn't Scripture so plain on the fact that God's Word says that if someone's born again, they'll be a different person in a godly better and a more loving way? Because being born again involves God's Holy Spirit. Being born again involves the Spirit of God that changes us, that that renews us, that refreshes us, that regenerates us, right? Isn't the Scripture so plain and so simple in how it speaks on God's Word? And of course, we know that the Bible says that only those who are supernaturally born again shall enter the kingdom of heaven. But yet, as plain as Scripture is on being born again, and the supernatural change that occurs as a result of because of God's Holy Spirit coming within us, would you believe that there are many in our world today that believe and confess that Jesus is God's Son, yet believe that being and becoming born again happens by getting baptized in water? Hmm. The kicker is, nowhere in the entire Bible does it say that true born-againness, true spiritual rebirth, comes through water baptism. Jesus Christ talks about how he would baptize with with power with the Spirit, with fire, which represents the Spirit of God, but he says nothing about being baptized in water bringing the regeneration or the true born-againness and having God's Holy Spirit living within you. What is water baptism? Well, simply, it's just water immersion. Why do Christians water baptize? I mean, if you ever wondered, why, why do Christians do that kind of thing? Well, The Bible says that we should, so we do it out of obedience, and then also we do it to express our faith before others. Hey, I've made a decision to follow Jesus Christ. Hey, I've decided to respond to God's call in my life. I've turned to Him. Boom, you get baptized. It shows everybody that's there. Hey, wow, that guy got baptized. He loves Jesus. So that's the only reason why people get water baptized, but it's not to be saved. So why do lots of different religious people and denominations believe that water baptism brings a person to new spiritual birth or to be born again? Well, some may be misguided. Some people may be confused, but i bet you more than anything, what it really is, is a lot of evil people, a lot of evil false teachers brought this teaching into the church, brought this teaching into Christianity. Why would they have done that? Because They want to pervert the gospel of grace through faith to salvation by works. Because if we have to be baptized in order to be saved, then it's a work that we can attach. Hey, I did this work to be saved. And the Bible says that salvation can't come by works of righteousness or any work, period, the end. It's a dangerous and deadly doctrine, ladies and gentlemen. So please, people, listen to me. Becoming born again happens when a person responds to God's drawing on their lives and turns to God in repentance. It's not a work. Simply repentance is is you change your mind toward God. Hey, I'm a sinner. Wow, I'm evil. Holy camoly. Wow, I'm I'm deserving of death and hell and punishment forever. Holy camoly. Oh, but Jesus Christ came and he died for my sins. God, you're right. I'm wrong. I'm a sinner. Jesus, I need you. There's no work there. It's a simple confession that, hey, God, you're right, I'm wrong, but there's no work. It's a change of heart, just simple repentance, and you do it by faith. And after you do that, you you just surrender your life to the Lord by faith, and God then gives you a baptism of fire or, or spirit as he saves you, period, the end. But salvation is not by works at all. And if anyone tells you that you need to be water baptized or do any work at all to be saved, then you need to tell them about grace through faith. But if they won't listen to you, as they haven't listened to me, because I've told many people about grace through faith versus salvation by works, because they probably won't listen to you, they've been brainwashed by a lot of evil teachers, then basically get away from them. You know, hey, you know, you're wrong. This is what the Bible says, and I know it. My pastor taught me. I've read it in my Bible. Bible says that we're saved by grace through faith, not of works. And if you don't want to believe that, then I feel sorry for you. I'm sorry, but I got to go and don't listen to their evil, wicked doctrine at all. It's apostate. It's absolutely evil. It's, It's of the devil. Any work that we attach to our salvation makes the work of Christ on the cross nothing. And because if I could do any work, I've said this, I've preached this over and over and over and over and over again. If I could do any work to be saved, what does that mean? That means that Christ and his sacrifice and his resurrection meant nothing because I could have done something else to be saved outside of him having to go and give his life on the cross in in a, a terrible, terrible way that he did. Anyway, I'll move on. Praise be to God. Let's get into our new sermon for today. Title of our new message is... The how to love. I'll repeat it. The how accentuate the word how there. The how to love. We're gonna be first John chapter five, verses one through five, if you guys want to read it along with me, and then I'll teach it. Bible says, John writes Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone who loves him who begot also loves him who is begotten of him. By this we know that we love the children of God, when we love God and keep his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments. And his commandments are not burdensome. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is he who overcomes the world, but he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? Now, first off, remember last week, John wrote in verse 15, he said this, he wrote this, Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. And I told you that this verse is a sticky one. When it becomes into a standalone interpretation, right? I told you that it's not solely true that just because somebody believes or has a confession that, hey, I believe or I confess Jesus is God's son, that doesn't necessarily mean that they're born again. It just, it's not an automatic just because I confess Jesus is God's son, then I'm born again. That's what I told you. Well, did you catch what John just did in the first verse of this section? He just proved me right. What did he say? How did he prove me right? How did he show what I said was true? Number one, look at this. He said that there are more ways that you'll be able to identify a born-again person than just... By them professing that Jesus is God's Son. Verse 1, he said there, They'll also believe, number one, that Jesus is the Christ. What does that mean? Again, we've talked about this before. He is the only Savior of the whole world. There is no other that can save. People can't save themselves. Buddha can't save you. Allah can't save you. Nobody can save you. John just said, a truly born-again person will believe the Scriptures and say, and confess, and believe, Jesus is the Christ, God's Messiah, God's Savior, the only Savior of all the world, and the only one by which anybody, I don't care who you are on the face of the planet, on the face of the planet, doesn't matter, you can only get to heaven through Jesus Christ. That's what it means that Jesus is the Christ. He says the second determining factor here, he adds another one, there are more. He says that everyone who loves him who begot... That means that everyone who loves God, God Almighty, God the Father, who begot Jesus Christ, because God is the one who begot Jesus Christ by Holy Spirit through Mary, also loves him who is begotten of him. Well, Jesus is the only begotten of the Father. So those that are truly born again not only confess Jesus is God's Son, but they also believe that he is the Christ, the Savior of the whole world, and they also truly love God and because he begot Jesus, and they also truly love Jesus Christ who was begotten of the Father. I told you, and it's clear right there, that just because someone makes the simple confession that Jesus is God's son doesn't mean they are truly born again. This belief solely is heretical. On its own, that, you know, I, I believe Jesus got God's son, I'm born again, is solely heretical. It's anti-Bible, and it's really anti-Christ. It's not truly what the Bible says. Anyway, just keep that in your mind. Go to verse 2. John kind of switches topics a little bit here. He says this, verse 2. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. He changes topics again. He says that true, true Christians know that they love other true Christians or children of God by loving God and keeping his commandments. To this, I'll say, what? Huh? I don't understand that. How do I love another person by loving God and keeping his commandments? To me, that makes no sense. Maybe it doesn't make any sense to you either. How can that be? How do Christians know that they love other Christians by loving God and keeping his commandments? This seems backwards or, or wrong, doesn't it? I mean, it did to me. Uh, How does a born-again Christian love other born-again Christians by loving God and keeping His commandments? I mean, I would think that the proof that I really love someone would be that I show them I love them by ways that I think are right. Right? I mean, that's what I would think. Not love them by loving God and keeping His commandments. Well, I will admit, what John writes here does seem backwards and wrong, but it's not. Why, you say? First off, I have to make a confession. As I've studied the Bible throughout the years, there's always things that I read in God's Word that I quietly just don't understand. And I heard an awesome preacher years ago that said, hey, if, you, if you're if you reading the Bible and you come across a section of Scripture that you don't understand, hey, put it in the back of your mind and say, you know, God... I don't understand that right now, but, you know, when it's your time, help me to understand, you know, what you're saying there, because I don't get it. And I don't think any human being on the face of the planet knows every single thing that God says in his word. Some things that God says are confusing. To me, I just kind of let this one kind of like flow. I just never really kind of grabbed it. I kind of always read it over, and I'm oh, you okay. But this time, well, God gave me the first book of John to study and to teach you guys. So I, when I first started studying for this, actually didn't know what this meant. And and I've been, again, reading the Bible and studying the Bible for many years now. Then, God is so awesome, as I was working on the sermon, God opened my mind so that I could understand what he was saying here. Anyway, this is what God showed me. The idea of a person loving another person in their own ways Varies by person to person, and this is very obscure and vague, correct? I mean, think about it. If I said to you that are listening, go out today and show someone that you love them, how would you love that person? Well, I can tell you right now, every one of you would have a different way of loving another person. One might think it's a good idea to love someone by telling them, I I love you. One person might think it's good to give them something, maybe some food. Another, maybe they show love by giving roses. Another, maybe they give a donation, money. Another, maybe they buy somebody a big green flat TV, right? That'd be nice. Some may think it's love to do something nice for a person. Maybe they give a person a back massage or a foot massage. While another, maybe they want to show them their love by their washing their car. Another, ah, you know what, I'll clean the house this week for my wife. I'll show her I love her. And et cetera, and et cetera, and et cetera. I could go on and on, but I think you get the picture. Now, I'm not saying that those aren't loving things to do for other people. But my point here and the point God is making here in the scripture is this. He has a way to how to love others. And that is the right way to love. People are flawed. And sinful. And because of our sin sickness, our minds are evil and corrupt. That's what the Bible says. And God, well, the Bible says He's perfect, sinless, pure, and holy. So, how can a sinful, flawed person, no matter how nice they may be, really know how to love someone? Well, they can't. Sinful and flawed people can't know how to truly love. And by that I mean love others with a perfect, correct, How to love, right? For they don't know how to love unless they have a law or a a written way of how to love. And that's why Christians, loving other Christians, or anyone for that matter, by loving God and keeping his commandments is not backwards. It's the right and correct and God-given way as to how to show someone you really love them. So why would the how to love others involve keeping God's laws and commandments. Well, you see, God's commandments and laws given in the Old Testament concerning person to person are geared toward teaching us how to love one another. Listen to what Jesus Christ said in Matthew 22, 40. On two commandments, I'm not going to give them just yet, on two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. And what that means is, is, if you take God's commandments and God's laws in totality as a whole. So the Ten Commandments and then the 600 plus laws that God gave through Leviticus and Numbers and so on and so forth, if you take them all, Jesus said on all those laws and commandments, hang these two laws hang on them all, I should say. And that means that all of them are summed up in two things. Now, if you've been a Christian for some time, I bet you know what those are. Jesus said those two commandments... uh, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself or others as yourself. Neighbor, Jesus said, was anybody, right? So on those two laws, on those two commandments, hang all the law and all the prophets. Love. Love was the basis of those two things. Of all the law and the prophets, love had them all in common. They all had love in common. Just look at, so I should say this. Yes, God gave people the how to love others in his commandments. And so by Christians keeping God's commandments towards Christians, John says we will know that we love one another. Look at some of these examples I had from God's precious word today on how to love from God. I'm going to talk about each one of them just a little bit. First example. We're going to go to the, the book of Exodus where God gave the Ten Commandments. Exodus 12:12 12, 12, God says this Honor your father and mother that your days may be that your that your days may be long upon the land God gave you How do we see love in that Well isn't it loving when your children obey you Absolutely isn't it as a parent, isn't it there? like no greater thing in the world when you tell your child, hey, son, or hey, daughter, hey, Jimmy, hey, hey, Susie, go do this for daddy, go do that for mommy. And they go, oh, yes, mama, yes, daddy. Man, you just, man, that's like you've arrived, right? As mom and dad, oh, man, they didn't even complain. They, they just did what I said. Honor your father and your mother. What is that based on? That's based on love. God wants children to respect, and in respect is love. Of the parents. Number one commandment where we see love is the, the how to love. God gave the how to love in a commandment. Exodus 12, 13, the very next one. He says, You love by hey, don't murder people. Oh, what does that mean? Just don't murder, simply don't go around just killing people. That's not loving. Simple enough, right? There's a commandment again based in love. Tw- uh, Exodus 20:14. You love by, God says, don't commit adultery. Well, what is adultery? If you're married and you're with one wife, because that's what God intended, one man for one woman, God says that the man or the woman shouldn't go out and they shouldn't have affairs and go out and sleep with or have sex with other people, whether they're married or not. That's based in love. A man or a woman should stay dedicated to one another and that's how they show their what for people? They show their love For people. So God's telling us, married people, hey, don't commit adultery. Hey, love your wife, husband, wife, love your husband because that's what you want, that's what I want you to do. So don't commit adultery and show them you love them. 2015, you love by, he says, don't steal from others. If you take something that belongs to somebody else, is that very loving? And there shouldn't be a person in the world going, oh, yeah, I show people I love them by stealing. Absolutely not. Not stealing, letting people have what they work for, is based in love. 2016, God says you love by, don't bear false witness against your neighbor. That means don't go around your neighborhood and talking a whole bunch of crap about your other neighbors that is not true. And what is that based in? That's based in love. Would you like them to do that to you? I wouldn't like people to go around speaking false things against me. So that's based in love also. Last one for the commandments. 2017, you love by not coveting your neighbor's goods. Hey, if you want your neighbor's goods, the the Bible says that the sin starts in the mind. And if I want something really bad, chances are I'm going to try to do something to get it. So when you covet your neighbor's goods, then you may be thinking, uh, how can I get them and going out and maybe trying to get them? Another commandment based on love. And those were just six from the commandments God gave Moses on Mount Sinai, not even including the 600 plus laws he gave. I'll get to some of them as an example in a moment of how to love that God said. Uh, and, and six different commandments of how to love by God between person to person may, may not seem like a lot. So think about that. Well, that's only six, Pastor Ed. No, that's not a lot. Yeah, I, I know those commandments were based in love, but you know, that, that may not seem like a lot. But in case you didn't catch it, God only gave ten commandments to the children of Israel through Moses on Mount Sinai. And in case you didn't get that significance either, God just spent six out of the ten commandments telling people how to love. The other four he gave telling people how to love him. If I were God, I would have spent the six or the eight or the nine telling people how to love me. And then I would have said, hey, by the way, you know, love people, you know, by not doing this one thing, right? But no, God, in his awesomeness, because he's awesome, all love, told us six ways how we should love people versus the four ways how we should love him. Isn't he awesome? Look at this. Look at the laws now. Look at some laws. Now, this is just some uh, and see how they show us how to love others from God' I'm talk on each one just a little bit. We go to Leviticus nineteen you think, oh man, Leviticus, all oh, that, but hey, it's really cool. We're gonna see how God shows us how He wants us to love out of Leviticus out of the law of God. Maybe you never thought there there's no way Pastor, Ed, the laws are so boring, oh man, there's a but did you know as John wrote here, as I'm telling you, as we already saw, these laws are based on love. Leviticus 19, 9 through 18, look at this. Look what God says. When you reap the harvest of your land, that means like, you know, they used to grow their food, kind of like how we still do, but not everybody does now, the farmers do. They were an agricultural people. So when they would reap the harvest of your land, God says, you shall not wholly reap the corners of your field nor shall you gather the gleanings of your harvest, and you shall not glean your vineyard, nor shall you gather every grape of your vineyard. Why would God tell them not to gather every last bit of food off their field? I mean, after all, I mean, they grew it. It was theirs. It was their right to take it all. But God said, don't take every bit of food off all the food that you grow on your field. Well, why? Well, he tells us why. God had a welfare program. Because he loved. He says, You shall leave them for the poor and the stranger. I am the Lord your God. So God just said, Don't take every bit of food off your field because there are people in your land that are hungry. And I want them, because I love them, I want them to be able to eat. And I not only do I love them, I want you to, to love them by, hey, letting them take off of your field after you've got the majority of it. But then that's loving because I don't want them to die. They got nobody to take care of them. There may be lepers or there may be this or they maybe are, you know, they're widowed and they don't have any way to work and they're, they're starving. and so Let them have that food because I love them and I want you to love them. Here's how to love them. Don't take every bit of food off your field. Let them have the rest. Isn't that awesome? I bet you never saw that before in God's law. Yes, but the law is based on love God and love your neighbor as yourself. Look at the next one. God repeats himself here from the commandments. You shall not steal, nor dare falsely, nor lie to one another. Again, if you're stealing from people, if you're dealing falsely with people, and if you're lying to other people, that's not very loving. I don't feel very loved when people lie to me. I don't ve- feel very loved when people steal from me or when people deal with me falsely, like in, a, like in a deceitful type of way. Do you? That's not loving. It's loving to be honest with people, to not steal, maybe to give them a gift and not to lie, but to tell them the truth, right? Based in love. God says again, verse 13, you shall not cheat your neighbor nor rob him that means hey your neighbor be neighborly don't try to inch over his fence line and put your fence 2 inches more off of his line to steal his land or or don't go you know taking his cows or 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 you know letting his cows wander in the pa- wander in the in the middle of nowhere God got another wall hey if you see a cow if you see somebody else's animal hey get that animal if you know who that belongs to and bring them back to your neighbor what is that based on them? That's one of my most favorite ones. That's based out of love. Be the, do the neighbor thing, do the loving thing. Here's another one. The wages of him who is hired shall not remain with you all night until morning. Well, back then people lived day by day. And if somebody worked a day for somebody, they had to eat. And if that person that that was paying them Didn't give them that money for their food, they wouldn't eat that day. So God says, Hey, my child, I love you and I love that person that worked for you too. Pay him now. That way he has a chance to eat because I don't want him to starve. I don't want him to die. Another law based in love. He says, You shall not curse the death. Now, what does that matter? They can't hear you. It's still unloving. Do not put a stumbling block before the blind. Hey, what could happen to a blind person if you put something from the trip in front of him? He'd fall and hurt himself. Based in love. He said, but you shall fear your God. I am the Lord. Verse 15. You shall do no injustice in judgment. Hey, he says, if there's judgment due, if somebody needs to be punished, hey, give them the appropriate punishment because that's loving. How do people know that they're doing wrong and to do better unless... You tell them, or unless you punish them, so that they can do better. Like, for instance, with a child. We'll talk about that in a little bit. In a child, if they do wrong, and you don't spank them, and you don't discipline them, they don't know that they did wrong. So I had an old friend years ago who kind of said that. If you don't punish your child, if you don't discipline your your child when they're young, the law will when they get older. And guess what? The law is not going to punish your child with just a spanking or go to your room, the law is going to punish your child by putting them in prison or putting them in jail. And that's not teaching them anything but to be a better criminal. Look at 15. Well, six, excuse me. It, uh keep going to 15. You shall not be a partial, you should not be partial to the poor, nor honor the person of the mighty. In righteousness, you shall judge your neighbor. What he said is, don't treat the poor person any different than you treat the rich person. Because all are people before me, and I love all people. Treat all people the same. Apostle James speaks on that in the second chapter of his epistle. He goes on again, 16. You shall not go about as a talebearer among your people. Don't go out among the people that you know and talking a bunch of crap and stories about people that you don't even need to do all that because that's not loving. He says, you shall not take a stand against the life of your neighbor. I am the Lord. Don't, Don't fight against your neighbor's life. Love your neighbor, as Jesus said, as yourself. You shall not hate your brother in your heart. Well, you don't hate if you're loving. You shall surely rebuke your neighbor and not bear sin because of him. You shall not take vengeance nor bear any grudge against the children of your people. And of course, if you do those things, you're not being very loving. Again, The law is based in love. And right in the midst of this chapter, chapter 19 of Leviticus, and God giving these people the how to love, he says this in verse 18. But you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. Jesus repeats it in Matthew 12. Uh, whatever you want others to do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. Paul in Galatians 5.14 mentions it. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this you shall love your neighbor as yourself. In James 2.8, I love the book of James. I love the way he mentions this. Listen to the way he talks about this law here. If you really fulfill the royal law, I just love that. He calls it the royal law. Love, you shall love your neighbor As yourself, you do well. And he says the royal law according to the scripture. Isn't that awesome? The law and the commandments were based in love. For God is love. That's awesome. Are you sick of hearing me talk about this yet? Well, I'm sorry, but this is what John is speaking about here. And what God is pounding into our hearts today from the whole counsel of his word, because this is the full counsel of God, ladies and gentlemen. The commandments and the laws that people... Oh, I don't like those. They're so boring when I hear them in the Bible. I read them to the Bible or I listen to the Bible. But they're based out of love. Back to it. Can you see now why John wrote, By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep His commandments in verse 2. When Christians practice out of obedience not to be saved... Loving God and keeping his commandments, we will absolutely and truly live out by our actions. As you notice, every one of those examples that God gave a love were not just, oh, tell somebody. They were, don't do this because that's not loving, or do this because that's loving. So we'll absolutely live out by our actions the true way how to love Christians and others. Isn't God's word awesome? Bet you never knew that the law and the commandments, the real law and the real commandments were based out of love. God, by John's hand in this epistle, in an entire epistle, has been pounding into our heads as Christians the command that God gave that Christians are supposed to love others, especially other Christians, Right. And up until now, he's kind of given us a couple teasers on how not to love. He kind of mentioned, hey, not as Cain killed Abel, so we know, hey, that's not loving to kill somebody, you know, keeping God's commandment, do not murder. But he really hasn't given us the complete, you know, way of how we're to fulfill the command of loving others. Well, this is what he does here. God, through John's hand, says here the complete and tot- and total or totality of All I've been telling you, love others, is found in this. Keep my commandments and love me. For that's all the law and all the prophets. And this is, of course... God knows the best way that anyone could love anyone else and not as we love others as people because we are flawed and imperfect. God's not done pounding this into our heads just yet. Look at the first part of verse 3. For John says emphatically again, he repeats again, this is the love of God that we keep his or God's commandments. John again, I repeated it because John's repeating it. In the keeping for obeying of God's commandments and laws, we will love. For in his commandments and laws, he gives us the how to love others. Look at verse, the last part of verse 3. We're going to switch gears for just a little bit and then we'll come back. Second part of verse 3 says, And his commandments are not burdensome or they would be hard to keep. Okay, so just an aside here. I read and study out of the new King James Version, because that's the version that I just got years ago. And, and as I read it and I've looked at other versions, it's the one I really like the most. And I think, as a, for the most part, that the new King James translators translated the, the this version, you know, really, really, really well, outside of some, you know, things here and there. Because anytime you're going from one language to another, it gets kind of sticky, right? And that's just kind of what happens. But And so I say that with a grain now. I say that... Because they've done a good job mostly. But in this verse, I don't think that the New King James translators did a good job at all. I think, in fact, they did an awful and terrible job translating one word here. You say, why? Well, they just translated this verse to say that God's commandments, and what are, what are his commandments about? How to love, right? Are not burdensome or hard to keep. Yeah, Right? Yeah, right. Are you kidding me? Eh, My buzzer sound, right? Loving others is absolutely hard to do. Keeping God's commandments are absolutely difficult for us to do because every commandment that God gives us, what do they do? They go against the initial way that we want to be. And that is hard. Loving others God's way is not an easy thing to do, but rather a very difficult to do. So what did, what did the translators think? God's commandments are not burdensome or hard to keep. All people, including Christians, can be rude, unkind. They can be hateful. They can be proud, sassy, argumentative, bossy, and disrespectful, just to name a few. And loving others in God's way can be almost impossible to do. And if you're a Christian, you know exactly what I'm talking about. It's there, you love them, and it's like, oh, what are they Oh, I'm love. Them. And then you gotta kind of fight with yourself, right? So, what's going on? Is the Bible wrong? Well, no. The translation that they made, the translation of the word burdensome that they put there is wrong. If you go to the Greek word for burdensome, it can also be translated as grievous. Now let's read the verse again, but with both words at the end, and see which word seems to match up against what we know to be true in our own lives and even in the Bible as we know that. Even Paul had a hard time with one of his apostles, Mark, or his, one of his disciples, Mark. And as Peter and Paul got into it one time, and they even found it hard to love, right? Let's listen to this, right? John says this. Does this sound right? In his commandments, the how to love others are not burdensome or hard. Yeah, right. Eh, right? That's, a, that's, that's false. Listen to it this way. And his commandments are not grievous, And the word grievous means terrible to do. Of course, his commandments are not terrible to do. That's a winner, winner, chicken dinner right there, right? For a true Christian, keeping God's commandments is not a terrible thing to do, but they are hard to keep, especially in the category of loving others. Amen. Amen. Praise be to God. I mean, I, I mean, I know you know what I'm talking about. Uh, if you have decided to follow Christ, you must keep his commandments, but you will want to do it also. But they will still not be easy to do. Right. They still won't be easy. And in verse four, that's all John says next. He says this for whatever's born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world. Our faith. Again, when someone comes to be born again, God's commandments are not grievous or terrible to keep because they have overcome the world by God living in them and their faith in his work on the cross to save them. He closes this section, and idea with the description of who God's commandments aren't grievous for. Verse 5, who is he who overcomes the world but he who believes or believeth, as the King James writes, "or, or to have faith in and upon, that Jesus is the Son of God. So not just the simple head belief of of Jesus is God's Son, is what saves, but again, the one who has put their total faith, trust in Jesus, the Christ, and surrendered to him as Lord over their lives, that that is who salvation is for. To this person, keeping God's commandments is not grievous, Right? It's they may be hard to do, but they're not terrible for you to keep them. Understand that they're not terrible to love others, but they are hard to keep, so they're not terrible or grievous. So, think about this. Going back to how to love others. If you're a truck driver without speed limit signs that are written on the roads for you to drive, you wouldn't know how fast to go, right? I mean, this is just pretty plain and simple, right? If you work at a restaurant without a handbook for safety and handling food, you wouldn't know how to prepare and safely handle the food so that people didn't get sick. Pretty simple. It makes sense. If you're a dentist you wouldn't know how to clean and take care of people's teeth without having read and studied the books that give the directions on how to do so correctly and then gone to college where they teach you those books, correct? That's correct. And lastly, if you're a football player, you're a team and you wouldn't know how to run their plays and respond to the signal calls without the playbook that the coach writes to give direction, right? Right. All of these examples I just gave you directly relate to what God said in his word to Christians today. Christians, you would not know how to truly love other Christians or anybody, for that matter, unless God gave you his commandments in his written word as to how to do so. And God is concerned about love, for he is love, as we know the Bible says. Many people have their own ideas of how to love others, but these are man's ideas. And mankind has very poor ideas on how to love, but not God. He's perfect, pure, and truly knows how to love, for He is love, and really the very essence of love. How can I say that mankind has poor ideas on how to love? Well, just look, for instance, because I live in America, we're just going to look at America right now. And I know this is kind of happening around the world in different places, but let's look at America right now. Today in the USA, the masses and the rulers and authorities and even our own, you know, Supreme Court and all that have this idea that it is loving or, you know, you could say, when I say it's not right to do something, people say it's not right to do that because they kind of base that out of love, an idea of love. If you say, well, it's not right that you take that car without paying for it, you'd say, well, you know, you're being unloving. That's another way to say that. So our whole culture right now is transformed into this by the masses, rulers, and authorities to this idea that it is unloving or not right to ever say or do anything that offends someone else. We call it a very fancy word in our culture today. We call it being politically correct. And people would say, it's not loving to be, you know, to not be politically correct, right? Well, this being politically correct is really destroying our country and making people wimps and sissies and turning men effeminate. When they are afraid to lead their families because, let's say, their wives are you know, told that they don't want God's perfect plan for their marriages you know, because God says man is supposed to be the head of the household. Well, women don't like that. That's politically incorrect. You can't say that. Women have women's rights. Well, this, to God, is not loving. But to man, this is how man sees love. Parents are afraid to give correction. Direction and discipline to their children, because they don't want to offend them and cause strife. Forget about how God's word says in Proverbs 13:24, as I mentioned earlier, "He who spares his rod hates his son." That's God's idea. If you don't discipline your child, you hate them. Yet we've had recently, in this country over the past decade, uh, one of the president's wives, I'm not real political well, we shouldn't spank our children. Wow. But that goes directly against God's word. They this person thought it was unloving to spank your child. Well, God's word says you hate your child if you don't spank them, which means the opposite's true. If you love your child, you will spank them. You will discipline them. And he goes on there, Proverbs 13:24, he says, "But he who loves him disciplines him promptly." People walk around on eggshells before others because they are afraid to say or do something that offends others. And this is loving, right? Not. This is not loving. Not saying things that offend people that need to be said is not a loving thing to do. It's very unloving. God said that true love is Leviticus 19.17. You shall not hate your brother in your heart. You shall surely rebuke Your neighbor, and not bear sin because of him. What does this mean? I didn't talk about this earlier because I knew I was going to be talking about it now. He said this because sometimes people need to be rebuked, and what is rebuking? Some sometimes people need to be chastised or disciplined, or reprimanded, we know those words, when they do something wrong or sin in some way because they are heading in the wrong direction morally and spiritually. But in our country, that's unloving to tell somebody that they're wrong in what they're doing and that's a sin. You shouldn't tell that person that they have the right to do what they want to do. It's not lo- no, God says it's unloving not to rebuke somebody that you see is going the wrong way. If you walk by a house and somebody's in a burning building and, the burning, and they're upstairs and the whole bottom floor is, is on fire and you're screaming up at them, hey, get out of the house, get out of the house. And they look at you and, and, and our country would say, hey, lay, let him alone. Hey, he's enjoying his time with his family. Oh, it's all right. Don't, don't tell him he's wrong. Don't tell him he's wrong for staying there. But you see... It's unloving not to tell somebody to get out of the burning building. And, and here we see the same thing in our country. It's unloving to tell somebody that they're wrong, that they're on the wrong path. It's unloving, which, which in God's eyes, that's loving to rebuke them. Christians, you may have your way as to how to love other Christians and others, but are they the way that God gave in his commandments and in his law as to how to To love others. I hope that if you're a true Christian, listen to this message, that you make an effort to love others by obeying God's commandments and loving him daily by your actions, not by your own ideas again, but by God's commandments and by God's laws. As God told you here in the section, for he is the only one that truly knows and can tell you how to truly love others. Loving others may not be easy, and, and, and saying, in love, the things that need to be said may not be easy to do, but it is what God commands us to do and gives us direction on how to do it and how to love in His commandments. Christians, get into God's word and commandments and be diligent to find how He says to love others and love them in the ways that He says to. Christians, love God and keep His commandments. For in doing so, you will love others with the perfect love God intended you to do, and that his plan for and that is his plan for your lives. If you are not a Christian today and you find yourself listening to this message, I want to ask you today, if God so commands his spiritual children so Christians or, or those who have turned in for salvation to love others and Christians and even you, the one that doesn 't believe in him or is not a Christian. How much more does God Himself love you and long for you to love Him back? He already loves you and He already showed His love for you. For Christ came almost 2,000 years ago as a sinless being of God, as God Himself sinless in the flesh. And He came to the cross and He took your sins upon Himself to pay for His your sins because... He saw that you were headed to hell. Even you, this very day, right now, are headed to hell. And Christ came and took your sins on the cross so that you could be forgiven and have eternal life and not death and hell forever. But if you've not surrendered to him and put your faith in his son, Jesus Christ, for your hope and salvation, then you haven't received his love yet. Kind of like a Christmas present. Christmas is kind of coming up here in America, just a couple months away, yay, Get to celebrate Jesus' birthday again and get to celebrate with all our families and loved ones and all the good food and whatnot. But yet, if you're given a, Christ, a Christmas present, right, and it's under the tree and it's just waiting for you, and you see it there, so to John, uh, to Mary, to Paul, to, to Bob, and you just see that present under there, if you never take that present and you never take it, pick it up, open it and receive it, then it's really not yours. It doesn't belong to you, right? It's there for you, but you have to take it. You have to pick that up, you have to open it up, and you have to grab it and take it and make it yours. Well, this is how salvation is with God. God offers this salvation as a Christmas gift, as a wonderful, wonderful gift for you. You have to reach out and take it. And what a shame if you haven't yet. For He so desires you to accept His love in Christ and come into fellowship with you so that He may fill you up with His Spirit and His love, as we've talked about, as I've mentioned here in the sermon. Please turn to Him today and let yourself fall into His arms and relax. And you know what? Just surrender your life to Him now and let Him show you how much He truly cares for you and loves you. You do this by... What did I mention earlier? By taking a step of repentance. By having a heart changed toward God right now. By turning your mind and saying, you know what? God's right and I'm wrong. I'm a sinner, but God loves me anyway. Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I don't want to live for myself anymore. Jesus, I don't want to live on this destructive path anymore. Because let me tell you, this is not politically correct to say this in America, but I'm going to tell you this. If you're not walking with Jesus and he's not your Lord and you're you're not following his ways and you're not born again, then you're not going to go to heaven. And God doesn't want anybody not to go to heaven. He wants all to come to be saved. He wants all to come to repentance. He wants all to turn to him now and put your mind and your heart in his hands so that he can save you and make you born again and make you his. And if you haven't done that again, if you haven't done that, please turn to him now. He's waiting for you. Let's pray. Thank you so much, Lord God, for your word. Thank you so much, Lord God, for uh, your direction. <laughs> Thank you, Lord God, that you gave us the how to love in your word. And, and it comes from, the in, in our eyes, Lord, the, the most unlikely place. Or the place where you put all your laws and your commandments and your way, you know, just the things that you said to do and to not to do, <laughs> you put them in there. And and Lord, who would have ever thought in a million years that listened to all those sacrifice this and hey, you know, don't take your brother's goods? And who would have ever thought, Lord, who would have ever really like really meditated on the fact that those laws came out of the fact of uh, you love. That they are based on love. Even the sacrifices, as you show me even just right now, sacrificing the bulls and the goats and the rams. Well, that was done to atone or make atonement for our sins. And that was based even in love. Because, Lord, without those atoning sacrifices, the sin would have still stuck on the people back then, and their sin would have still been stuck on them. And when they stood before you, they just said, Hey, your sin stands, your sin, sin is in my eyes, and you know, get out of here. So, Lord, all the law and all the commandments truly are based in love and how to love. <laughs> Thank you. Lord God, you, your word never, never stops amazing me. And, and I just pray right now, Lord God, for us Christians that are out there, Lord, that we would follow your commandments, that we would keep your commandments, Lord. And we would love you with all our hearts and souls and minds, Lord. And we would love our neighbors truly as ourselves. Thank you, Lord God. And I, and I pray for those out there that aren't yours that are listening right now. I pray, Lord God, that they would see your love today. That they would recognize that you are the essence of love, Lord. For if you want your children to love, how much more do you not love people, Lord God? Of course, you love everyone, Lord. You're just waiting for people to turn to you. And I pray that people would today, even right now. Thank you, Lord God. And I love you and I praise you and I ask all these things in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen.